Is there a breakaway civilization of Nazis who escaped to Antarctica with flying saucers? Sounds like a crazy theory, right? Well, I thought the same thing until I heard Tom DeLong from Blink-182 and To The Stars Academy say this on Joe Rogan's podcast while talking about Roswell. What I believe crashed at Roswell was German, but it had hallmarks and technology based on alien technology. Now, if you don't remember, To The Stars Academy is the company that helped the Pentagon officially release the UFO footage from a couple of years ago. To The Stars Academy released three videos they show navy fighter jets encountering mysterious objects in the sky so in this video i'm going to attempt to take you down this rabbit hole with me and to do that we've got to go back to 1929 when a german theologist discovered a map called the piri Rees map because piri Rees created this map in 1513. the crazy thing about this map is that it shows antarctica having no ice on it the only problem with that antarctica has been covered in a two mile thick sheet of ice for at least 30 million years what's even crazier about it because of modern day technology using satellites, we can show what the topography of Antarctica is under all of that ice. This map shows Antarctica with extremely accurate precision, so much so that it baffles modern day scientists. So what does this imply? The obvious thing is that someone mapped Antarctica before it was covered in ice and that knowledge was somehow passed through the generations. But if you ask the Germans what this implies, they would say that it signifies proof of an advanced ancient civilization that knew the truth of the earth and they believe that this advanced civilization was the Aryan race and in 1938 one year before World War II started the Germans went to Antarctica on a top-secret mission to create a base that they called New Schwabenland which brings me to another key thing that happened and that is a UFO crash in 1936 in the Black Forest they obviously recovered the wreckage and this is said to be one of the first reverse engineering projects in modern history and it led the Germans to having some pretty revolutionary weaponry specifically the the V-1 and the V-2 rockets. These are the first ever long-range and guided missiles of modern-day warfare. Now, here's where the plot thickens. At the end of World War II, the Allied forces, they went in and they recovered all these abandoned documents. They actually found schematics for three working models of flying saucer-shaped craft. The Germans called these Hanabu craft, and it ran off of a propulsion system that they called Repulsine. It had anti-gravity properties and was said to be able to travel in any direction and also be able to come to a full stop and a hover with no noise. And these look a lot like some of the photographs that date way back to the 50s of flying saucers flying over America. And one of their scientists, Herman Oberth, who's known as the father of the modern day rocket, he said, quote, we cannot take credit for our record advancement in certain scientific fields alone. We have been helped. Now, I know what you're thinking. If Germany had access to this type of technology, then why didn't they win the war? And a lot of people think the reason why they were trying to combine 1940s weapons with this advanced flying saucers so the Germans had these flying craft they just didn't quite know how to weaponize them yet but the Nazis had a breakaway civilization that fled this was confirmed by the hosts of hunting Hitler Tim Kennedy when he was on Joe Rogan's podcast a lot of Nazis did escape and go to South America there's no question thousands if not tens of thousands of high-ranking Nazis made it there in 1945 two submarines from Adolf Hitler's personal convoy entered Argentina and surrendered to Argentinian law enforcement are there any eyewitness accounts of Hitler in South America potentially legitimate? Absolutely potentially. Eyewitness accounts, I saw him get off a boat. I saw him meet here. And those Nazis actually talked about another fleet that broke off and went to their base called Station 211 in Antarctica. If you had a million bucks, you got to put it on one side or another. Did he go there? Yeah. 
Whoa. The way history is written is wrong. That's clear. So that brings us to Operation High Jump, which was supposed to be an exploratory mission of Antarctica by the US. It was going to be led by Admiral Richard Byrd. Now, the only weird thing about this, it was supposed to be for scientific reasons, but they basically went down with an entire military fleet. Specifically, they had a submarine, an aircraft carrier, 13 ships, 33 aircraft, and 4,700 soldiers. The official explanation for the purpose of this mission was to determine what conditions would be like in case Soviets decided to invade through the South Pole. But unofficially, it was also to look for remnants of Nazis who had fled to Antarctica. And there was actually a press conference held with James Forrestal, who was the first ever Secretary of Defense for the United States. We're going to get into James Forrestal in a second. But James Forrestal was talking to Admiral Richard Byrd just a few months before Operation High Jump. He said this was the greatest polar expedition in history. And then Richard Byrd was quoted saying, my expedition is military in nature. Now, here's the thing. They had enough resources to last eight months in Antarctica with all of those men. Two months into the mission, the whole entire fleet is retreating back to the U.S. with their tail between their legs. They had 68 sailors killed in action. They also lost a carrier and over half of their aircraft. Richard Byrd, on the way back from Antarctica, made a pit stop in Chile and reporters in Santiago reported a statement from Richard Byrd saying, quote, in the event of another war, America can be attacked by an enemy that has the ability to fly from pole to pole with incredible speed. And when asked about what happened, they talked about this mysterious battle with the superior flying craft they could barely even conceptualize. John Sayerson, who's an Air Force pilot who was on Operation High Jump, said the flying saucers were jumping out of water like crazy and flew between masts of the warships at such speed that streams of air tore radio antennas. They silently rushed between the ships and were continuously spitting terrible fire. These objects did not produce a sound. Some fighters had time to take off and in the blink of an eye, they were struck by unknown beams scattered from forward parts of these flying saucers. We started counting our losses. They were terrible. And the details of this mission were immediately classified. In fact, Richard Byrd is on record after being debriefed by the Pentagon saying, I am placed under strict control via the national security provisions of this United States of America. I am ordered to remain silent in regard to all that I have learned on the behalf of humanity. I am reminded that I am a military man and I must obey my orders. Which brings us back to James Forrestal, the first ever Secretary of Defense for the United States. And here's why he's the first ever Secretary of Defense. Because prior to World War II, we didn't have a Secretary of Defense. In fact, we didn't have a Secretary of Defense until 1947 when a flying saucer crashed in Roswell, New Mexico. Two months later, James Forrestal, who was the Secretary of the Navy before, was promoted to Secretary of Defense. And he's also one of the 12 names listed on the MJ-12 document about a secret group, including the president, including James Forrestal and 10 other men who were the only ones allowed to know the truth about the presence of UFOs on planet Earth. And this whole government cover-up is rumored to have started right inside of the Majestic 12 group. So James Forrestal, him and Admiral Byrd had a direct line of communication where they could openly talk about the details of Operation High Jump. And when he learned the truth about what was going on down in Antarctica, it said that he had a mental break and wanted to reveal this to the American public. And because the rest of Majestic 12, they didn't want these details getting out. They put him in Bethesda Medical Hospital saying that he had suicidal tendencies and he was being kept there against his will. His family, his wife, they were not allowed to visit him. One day before his brother was scheduled 
scheduled to pick him up. That night, James Forstall falls out of the 16th floor of this building and is later said to have committed suicide. And a lot of the nurses were saying that in the days leading up to his death, he was rambling about crazy things such as Nazis having flying saucers and being helped by aliens and they had bases in Antarctica. And these were all just ramblings of a madman. And what they found in the moments before he randomly stood up and jumped out of the window, he was writing down a classical poem into his journal and he stopped halfway through. I don't know about you, but if a guy's writing down a poem and he stops halfway through, I would think he probably has future plans to try to finish the poem. Either way, his death was immediately listed as a suicide and the ramblings of a madman were immediately written off. Nobody ever really talked about it. To this day, most of the research going on in Antarctica is still top secret and the general public is not allowed to even go down there. Now, in future videos, I do want to go further into Majestic 12 and the government cover-up of UFOs, so make sure you're subscribed as we go further down this rabbit hole. And if you thought today's video was mind-blowing, then you need to watch this video right here about a handshake agreement that allegedly occurred between a U.S. president and extraterrestrials.